What's up, Stream Fiends? Steve here. Streaming Things is going on vacation. That's right. Chris and I are going out to LA and taking a couple weeks off so that we can recover from our in-depth Yellow Jackets coverage. But don't worry. On June 12th, we will be back in force where you will have five episodes of Streaming Things a week. We will have Mission Impossible Mondays. Crossing Streams makes its return. We will be covering season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We will be covering Lost And of course, we will continue our coverage of the Patreon chosen films. Until then, though, fret not. We will be releasing some episodes that were formerly exclusive to Patreon. These are some episodes we thought were very, very fun that up until now were only available to our Patreon members and we're giving them to you for free. So we will be back on June 12th. But until then, please enjoy these special episodes. Happy streaming. Chris. And I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, an extra special Patreon episode where we dive deep into the thing. And this week's thing is the movie The Thing. <laughs> the we're going to stream the thing. We stream the thing. And I want to be thing the thing. We're going to, yeah, all the things. I have to be clear though, it is the 1982 The Thing, right? Because there's a 2011 The Thing, mm-hmm. which I haven't. Steve, have you seen that? I bet you have. I actually haven't. I started watching it last night and I got maybe 10 minutes into it and realized I was too sleepy to finish. Mm. I do. The whole time I was watching this thing, I kept thinking, God damn, this thing is ripe for a remake. And now I really want to watch 2011. Although I know that it's like a prequel thing. Yeah, it's a prequel, right? It's the Norwegian team. Yeah. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. It's the only prequel. It's, it's kind of funny because within 10 minutes, they're like, all these Norwegians are on this base, but here's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's American. And so they all politely just speak at English in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> That's already not my bag. Yeah. But I, I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, uh, very, very much. So I, I'd want to check that out. But I've, I've heard it's not up to par. We'll say. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if it's something where it's just falling under the weight of the expectations of the classic because so many people hold this thing, the 1982 thing, as like just peak cinema, right? And so I wonder if it's like a fairly good movie, but just because it's the prequel to this classic film, people are like, it's trash, bro. Well, here's what's so funny because listeners might not know this. Um, I, I just watched the thing for the first time like last month and then I watched it again today for the show. Um, so in Stranger Things season two, I think there's an argument between Mike and Lucas referencing the thing that's meant to be funny, talking about the new Coke, right? Because the thing, oh, 1982, yeah. is a remake of the thing from another world from the 50s. Mm-hmm. And so in that argument, which is also based off a book, right? <laughs> and in that argument, Mike, right, is arguing that the remake is trash. And that's the uh, a metaphor that they're using. But he's talking about this thing, which yeah. I think is now highly regarded as the best one, right? And Lucas is like, oh, I think it's actually pretty kind of cool. It's and, another reason why we hate Mike. Yeah, what the fuck, Mike? Well, there's just <laughs> always that argument. The original is better, like, no matter what. No matter what it is. And it's interesting. When this movie came out, the 1982 thing, it was not well-received. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a box office uh, bomb. Um, critics, were they panned it. Uh 
what's the composer's name? I, I can never. Benicio Moroni. Yeah, he won a Razzie for this movie. Are you shitting me? Which is hilarious because he used unused tracks for this movie in Hateful Eight, which won him an Oscar. <laughs> so, and in which well, they were making baffling. up for it. They were making up for it. Dude, my yeah. third note here is music licks tits. Yeah, the and, music's great. Yeah, what the fuck? I think it, it's one of those things. It's a movie that the tone and the the aesthetic of it was ahead of its time because this is also I think this came out a year um, after or the same year as E. T. Steven Spielberg's E. T. Mm. So, and obviously back then E. T. was the biggest movie ever, mm. and I think audiences back then were just so much more willing and yeah, the same accepting year. of you know of a, a, a fun aliens are nice film right and then you get this movie which is pretty bleak it's a very bleak film uh and kind of i I would argue it's pretty fucking funny it's funny but we'll get into that in a little bit but yeah i I understand what you're saying compared to (laughs) et no yeah and (laughs) it's funnier nowadays like just looking at the silly practical effects or special effects uh it's like oh you tried to do a melty head like you know it it, it looks dumb to us in the 2022 lens but for its time it was probably pretty scary yeah it's just those types of were either of you don't hold scared of this at all at any point no not scared so much as just i was gripped in suspense because and i think the suspense for me at least it doesn't come from the gore and special effects it comes from the tension of like you know, who's the thing, the mystery the and conceit of it overall. Like I, after I finished the movie, I read just like a plot summary and I was like, fuck, this sounds cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though I had just watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do some really slick, there's some really slick, um, premise to this and we'll get into that in a little bit for sure. But I, I agree that, you know, it wasn't like a super, uh, horrifying at any point. Even there's a couple jump scares that actually made me laugh out loud. There's one jump scare that gets me every time in this movie. We'll t- uh, yeah, we'll, surprise we'll talk me when, we, we, get when there. we get there. But I just wanted to overall get your all's relationship with the film. I know that Steve, this is your favorite horror film of all time, right? Yeah, it's it's either this or Signs. Um, okay, and I know people are probably like, "Ha, nerd, Signs, weird." Signs is awesome. No, but- Signs is M Night Shyamalan's best film. Ooh, hot take. I love it, but I agree. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I yeah, would it, say The Visit. <laughs> I honestly really do love that movie, and I don't know why people shit on it. It's a great horror film, but uh, I honestly haven't it's seen not the his best movie. It's really good, man. Go check it out. Um, but no, I love the thing. This is um, the, re- the reason why I love this thing. I think it's a perfect masterclass <laughs> in showing suspense and how to not trust people. It's hard. I think every time way- we review this movie, it's like a who's on first joke. Yeah. But go on, sorry. Uh, but we like, never did it. We did it, like, yeah, it would have been a hard, hard thing to talk about. But I think it's a masterclass in showing how you can use the camera, how you can direct things to add to uh, the the era of distrusting other people. I think the actors are really, really good in it. I love the type of actor they choose for this because a lot of these guys are like quote-unquote past their prime tv actors mm-hmm. that are just crushing it i love the setting i think it's very unique i think the practical effects while some fail in the modern lens more than others i think it's very uh noble and i think they do a great job for the tools they had at the time and to be honest this is one of my favorite movie endings of all time i love ambiguous endings and i just that final scene with Kurt Russell and uh, Keith David is, is one of my favorite movie endings ever to the point where I was telling Andy, I actually aped it in one of my, my college films. Like, and, and we'll, I don't want to 
I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'll talk about how I did so when we get there. But I I, I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And Andy, you've seen it before long ago. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times. It had been a few years since I saw it last, but uh, I, I always remember the ending and like remember a couple of the sillier effects and then kind of like the rest sort of falls by the wayside, but I, I, I do really like this movie, but, but I don't even look at it through the lens of a horror film. I look at it as just like a fun sci-fi mystery romp. Um, but yeah, it's great. And yeah. the performances, like Steve was saying, are absolutely fantastic. Like I want to bang Kurt Russell. He's a, he's a hunk of man. And <laughs> he's, so cool. you know? he's so cool. He's so cool. And that so beard. Cool. This may be the coolest Kurt Russell movie. Maybe, ah, maybe Snake Plissken. Ooh, you're right. Okay. That's, Which is also John Carpenter. Yes. John yeah. Carpenter, see? Yeah. He's getting in his car and he's driving to New York, see? But he's going to yeah. escape, see? And that's my. <laughs> we got to see from New York. That's my, my pitch. The communists are taking over. <laughs> so we're going to do a deep dive breakdown scene by scene of the thing. Well, quick- Chris, what's your relationship? You didn't tell us. I did. I spilled, I spilled the beans a little bit. You saw it the I, first I even, time just yeah, recently. I didn't even watch the thing until recently. And I saw the thing. Everybody was happy. It was because TikTok. So I'm on TikTok, right? Yeah. People tell me to watch things. Chris, where can we find you on TikTok? At Movies Are Therapy. Oh, okay. Always be uh, And it was one of those. Uh, and actually, I love that I've had this kind of larger platform on TikTok for a lot of reasons. But the amount of movies that... I've been forced to watch because I have it or because people have recommended things to me or just out of sheer embarrassment. I'm like, Oh no, I can't show my face on the talk without watching the thing. Uh, it's been really cool. Like I've watched 20 movies in the past month that were always on my watch list, but God knows when I would have gotten to them if it wasn't for like, Oh God, this guy's asked me to watch this like 19 times. Uh, this dude doesn't know fucking movies. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Oh, noobs, noobs. I've actually 420 is going to make fun of me if I don't watch. The thing. <laughs> I fostered like this, uh, pretty positive little community, uh, on there. It's really neat. Like, Oh man, you got to watch this. It's, it's okay if you're busy, but I'm telling you, you're going to love it. And cause I block everyone else. And, uh, <laughs> it's actually really, it's really nice. It's really endearing the amount of people that are really sweet on but, there. But seeing it for the first time, what were your takeaways? My takeaways, I, I made the mistake of watching it with my wife because she was not having it at all. And I've actually told her, uh, I forget what movie it was, something else like this that I was like, please just go do something because you're ruining it for me because I just hear the scoffing and the what the fucks and the laughter at, at, at non-funny moments. And I'm like, taking me out you know i understand you're not in on this she hates horror movies in general but there's some pretty absurd uh body horror and practical effects in this movie that's what it's famous for and she's just like what the fuck and you know her commentary was inappropriate so uh, i had to deal with that the first time that i watched it uh but i was i was really just kind of my expectations were very high everybody rated this as like one of the best movies of all time right that's what i'd heard so part of my contrarian brain was kicking in at the same i'm, I'm like just narrowing my eyes you know as soon as the the score kicks on in the mm-hmm. beginning like am i gonna outsmart this is this am i gonna prove why it's not that good but i fell in love very quickly because the whole conceit is just brilliant right and 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 um kurt russell is so charismatic i've always been a big fan of his um his whole family uh, <laughs> Goldie Hawn, Kate Hudson, big Russell, fans. Russell Wyatt's my dude. Yeah, Wyatt, he's cool. He cool. Um, so yeah, I, I, I fell in love really, really early on. But I actually enjoyed it more the second time, and I knew that I would. Like the, it, my first thought upon finishing this film a month ago was, this is a true cult classic, right? This takes six viewings with your friends 
and laughing about, you know, your fond memories of it and, and pointing things out to each other. This is the kind of film that gets better and better the more that you watch it. Right. And I knew that as soon as I finished it, like, God, I can't wait to revisit this. Um, and I watched it today in 4K, which I didn't last time. And it's not the kind of movie, you know, I don't know what the rendering uh, was uh, and how much that benefited it. Yeah. But it was really nice. I had the Dolby sound this time with the, you know, the Ennio Morricone score. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I liked it a lot more this time. It's a good thing we didn't see it at AMC like we were planning to last week. I don't know if you guys saw the controversy. I did oh, not. Did happened? they fuck it up? So it was a Fathom event. I didn't know that going in. And I don't know if you guys know the issue with that potentially comes with a fathom event. I do not. So fathom is basically like a middleman between studios and movie theaters. And the good thing about fathom events is that sometimes it allows people who live in more rural areas, like here we are in Kentucky, like maybe we can't go to the Met opera. So fathom will stream. Oh, it's the Met like opera. one of those. Okay. But the way they achieve that is essentially it's just a DVR. It's just a DVR that you download these programs off of, and then someone turns on the projector and hits play on the DVR, and that's and it, it and it plays in 1080i. Wow! Um, so 1080i oh, stretch on a huge screen Dang. doesn't look good. It always looks fuzzy. So for live events like the Met Opera, hey, it's the only way you're going to see it. It's a live event. It probably didn't look in 4K anyway. Who cares? But when you watch the thing. It's uh, I can't remember the exact dimensions, but the thing is cropped when you play it mm. in. It's like a so you were missing almost a third of the screen on this movie theater because it was playing a 1080i version that was downloaded on a DVR. That's terrible. Uh, and not all Fathom events are like that. There are some Fathom events that actually will send out the hard drive, like we mentioned in our after hours. Mm-hmm. You know, if you listen to that, shameless plug. Uh, shameless plug. Yeah, always be plugging. Um, but really, the onus for that is on the studio. So what happens is Fathom is like, hey, do you studio Universal in this case? Do you want to play the thing in theaters? And they're like, dope. Yeah, it's the 40th anniversary. And they're like, okay, do you want to do the DVR thing? It's cheaper. Or do you want to send us the the 4K uh, hard drive? And they'll be like, do the cheaper one. We're (laughs) Universal. We don't want to spend money. Right. So it's not necessarily Fathom's fault, but that's the risk you take if you see a Fathom event. See, here's the thing, though. I just wanted to say that. I'm so sorry. But I'm, uh, yeah, so I'm glad I watched it in 4K at my house. And actually, another quick uh, segue, and this is uh, more important on the main feed because the patrons are listening to this. So they're already here. So it's good to just let you know how I watch the thing. Are you curious? I watched it on the Movies Anywhere app, which is an app that I now have that's pretty brilliant. It allows me, I'm a physical media media collector, but I actually have about a hundred or so digital films just because they come out quicker on to, for digital release. So I buy them twice cause I'm an idiot. Um, and it allows me to take all of my voodoo, my Apple TV films, my Amazon films and put them all together in one place with the movies anywhere app. And it also allows you to stream those films through that app. So I have it on my Apple TV and they, all of them are in 4k. So it's really cool. So we've got something special, uh, a promotion that we've partnered with the movies anywhere app, and we're going to give three lucky patrons, Copies of four different films. I'll give you a code and it'll put the all four of those films in 4K forever for you. You own them now on your Movies Anywhere app. And it is It from 2017. Uh, and these are all Stranger Things themed movies for the most part. So It from 2017. Uh, the Thing from 1982. The brand new Firestarter film from 2022, which is sort of in a way a Stranger Things. It's a Stephen uh, King thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it inspired Stranger Things. And also Alien, the original Alien from 1979. 
all 4K versions of those. So the, we're just gonna choose three of our patrons at random, put them all in a hat, maybe an old fashioned hat and uh, draw three people. So we'll be doing that probably at the end of our Stranger Things 4 coverage. Um, and that's available to patrons only. So you guys are the only ones eligible for this winning, but that's where I watched the thing today. And actually, uh, when I talked to the lady from Movies Anywhere, she said, hey, the, the rendering and the, the compression on Movies Anywhere is really impressive. And I was like, I'll see for myself. And it was, it looked beautiful. The sound was great. There was no lag or anything. No, no fizzy, no fuzzy. Mm, wonderful i don't like the fizzies or the fuzzies because mm. actually i'm a fan, a fan of the fizzies some of those apps i'm a fan do of the that. wuzzies though do they have the wuzzies there was i don't know i didn't check for wuzzies mm. but there wasn't any fizzies jury's God, out on due the wuzzies. diligence chris <laughs> god damn it so that's a little thank you to our patrons if you want copies yeah. of those four movies um but also you can email us at any time real quick at streamingthingspod at gmail.com that's streamingthingspod at gmail.com and then are we ready to dive into our scene by scene breakdown oh yes mm, dive in man, my man my man wow why did i just <laughs> stop <laughs> <laughs> so this is <laughs> the <laughs> thing from 1982 uh directed by john carpenter it's a remake of the 50s film uh the thing from Fucking anywhere. Another world. Another world. Thank you, Andrew. 1957. Uh, scored by the legendary Ennio Morricone. And so that's that's important to note. And right off the bat, his score kicks off. And it's like this heartbeat kind boom. of thing. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's like. It, it's, and it goes throughout. And um, the first time it was almost. I, I hate saying this and admitting this. The first time I watched this movie, I was acutely aware that it was Ennio Morricone. So I was trying to like judge it. Right. And it kind of. It was grating at times, like the bum bum. Uh, but this it's time, give me big jaws vibes. I wasn't focused on it at all, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, Andy, do you have any J and B scotch you should crack open right now while we do this review? I would love to. <laughs> we don't. I, I don't. So I, mean, I have plenty of bourbon, and I'm happy to crack one. You're not a scotch guy. So no. fun fact about that: uh, there's a lot of J and B scotch shown in this it. movie. Um, John, uh, John Carpenter, when this movie came out, he has said that this movie is his favorite film of his own making. Okay. He loves this movie. But when the movie came out and it got like middling reviews, he took it very personally. And the thing that <laughs> that <he> took <laughs> most personal was the original director of the original movie came out and said like, well, it's a, it's a good commercial for JMB scotch and that's about it. Damn. <laughs> he said that crushed him. Oh my God. Cause he was a huge fan of the original. I'm guessing. Obviously. Yeah. Have you seen the original? Hell no. Okay. All right. I don't know why I put that stank on it, but yeah, too much stank, Steven. <laughs> yep. Dang. So the film opens in the opening credits. Uh, Andy alluded to off air. I think Yeah. there's a, uh, an shitty spaceship, an early digitized spaceship just to fly in through space. I really like that, that long take of just the stars though. Like it's just establishing what's out there. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but then space they actually the show the spaceship, which is an interesting choice. It's, it's so, I hate so much that they include this at the beginning of the film because like there's a, a giant aspect of mystery that they were just like nah we 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 spent some money on the space shot let's throw it in there the editor should have absolutely been like oh if we don't show the spaceship here it can be a reveal later when they go dig the hole and they're like oh my god there's a spaceship that's what's going on mm-hmm. and they're like what why why would you tell us that up front it makes no sense to me kind of i mean it doesn't say much I, first off, I 100% agree with you that the spaceship should not have been there. But at the same time, I don't think it takes away a huge chunk of the mystery because 
you know, we, we, we soon find out that that spaceship was a hundred thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there's still more stuff. There's, there, going there is on. that fun reveal that like that, that it's always you, been here. Yeah. Well, when you see your, when you see the reveal, that's oh, it's a hundred thousand years. Like, Oh, that was like a flashback at the beginning. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But I, I feel like there is something lost with the, the mystery of it, but I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I think that's fair. Actually, if this movie was today, I would say yes, 100%. Do not show that spaceship because it is like a wonky effect. It doesn't do much. Um, and, and like you said, it does kind of take away from the suspense. Like imagine if it was just this thing in the ice and it's like, what is this? Like that could be fun. But I, I also think this might have been their one way to kind of tie into the fact that this is a remake of the thing from outer space because hmm. you know, there's the space. Yeah. See, yeah. See, see the see the space. Uh but also Fair. if we didn't have that scene, we wouldn't have that dope ass uh logo. Well, I think Andy that and I are both agreed you take the spaceship out, you leave the long take on the stars. Absolutely. And then the the title. The yes. title card's great. Do you know that title card is a practical effect? What do you mean? <laughs> they made it. No, like it's not. It's in. They print, flew to space. What? No. Do you they know, hung that in space? Do you, no. Do you know how they filmed that logo being made? Clearly, I don't. It's so incredible. So the artist who created the logo created the logo on like an animation cell, like that they would use for animation. They slapped that inside of a fish tank, filled the fish tank with uh, Sp- stars, with, with smoke, and <laughs> shot light through it. Covered the fish tank with a black plastic bag lit the bag on fire so you get that revealing that's how you get the reveal wow. of the letters with the light shining through that's, that's a completely joke. practical thing they did and they don't fucking do that shit for logos anymore no, they just they definitely don't rendered in a computer and like just the fact that someone sat down and were like you know let a fire around a fish tank uh it'll look dope i like to think <laughs> so that cool. there's like a 76 year old man somewhere and they hire a team of people like okay you guys are in charge of the title cards okay and they're like oh uh, benny's been here for 40 years don't mind him and then they go in his office and he's got this giant flaming fish tank and they're like what the fuck are you doing i'm making the title card say it's gonna look really cool <laughs> <laughs> and he's fired is what i'm getting at but oh, they man. don't understand that kind of work anymore no you got so, After Effects, Benny. <laughs> so we, we get the we get the title card, we get the little spaceship, uh, and then we cut straight to the the crazy Norwegian guys flying a chopper, uh, inexplicably chasing a dog, shooting at it. Terrible shots in Norway. Everybody knows that about the Norwegians. They can't shoot a gun for mm-hmm. shit, right? Mm-hmm. They miss the dog, even though the dog's not going that fast. Uh, and you got that heartbeat score immediately from Ennio Morricone. Uh, and then we we cut to our characters. You know, the gang's playing ping pong. Real and, quick. Yeah, uh, this came out like two years after Alien, uh, which you're some of these patrons are going to get for free. Uh, but uh, Alien famously established the conceit of uh, endear the audience with a save the cat. They did the literal opposite of save the cat. Kill they the dog. Kill the dog. And I wrote that down like that's fucking clever. They tried to get him to kill it. They, yeah. they didn't successfully. Um, yeah, it's super neat. Um, we cut to the gang playing ping pong. And then uh, one of my favorite character introductions of all time, every, now that I've seen it twice, it, it, it's, it's up there. I, I, it's, it's in the top 10. McCready getting mad at the chess computer. Chess and, wizard. <laughs> so he's playing he's chess on the computer. He thinks he's got to beat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that line when he's like, you're losing it, old gal. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, the, the computer makes a move and he's like, I fucking got you. I uh, think it was John Carpenter's wife that voiced the mm-hmm. uh, computer there. Really? Was cool. It was. Well, his wife at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, McCready gets checkmated 
and he pours his scotch into the circuit boards of the computer, which was an interesting reaction because now he's stuck in Antarctica without I even that. It was whiskey that whole time. I didn't know JB was scotch. Yeah. Okay. It's, what's Scottish whiskey? Oh, that's what scotch is, right? But yeah, I thought that scotch was like its own thing. I'm 90. I'm not again. I'm the sober one here, but I'm 99% sure whiskey's whiskey. Bourbon is Kentucky whiskey, mm-hmm. yep. and Scotch is whiskey from Scotland. Honestly, don't know. I th- yeah, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, so he's drinking that shit and gave a little computer a taste. Cheating bitch. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why I wrote my note. Cheating bitch. Um, you know, you gotta. You can't just take that line down. I get it. But, but it's such a good introduction. Yeah. So character. immediately you learn so much about him, and you're like, God, that guy's cool. Kind of an ass, but in a cool way. And wow, that's a majestic beard. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, that, that hair that's too. Beautiful beard. Top to bottom, he's got a great set of hair. So it cuts yeah. back and forth with the Norwegians and the chopper and that gang. Uh, and the, the chopper's flying around the, uh, what we find out is the, uh, what was it? The North American National Science, Science Institute. Institute Station number four. four. Oh, yeah, number four. It's weird because the science says four, but I think like throughout the 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 movie they refer to it as like thirty something. It's funny you say that because the four almost looks like graffitied on to that sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll have to revisit that on my third watch. But anyway, they're a science and they're they're there to to make te- to do tests in Antarctica, right? And mm-hmm. you, you kind of get that vibe very early on. Uh, and then my dude from Norway, they land the chopper, and you still I love the the start of this movie having seen it once. Remembering the first time, I'm like, why the fuck are they shooting at this cute ass dog? Right. And they're throwing grenades at it and shit. Yeah. Uh, and then my dude slips with his grenade, though. He, and it's it's goofy. He gets out of the yeah. chopper, pulls the pen and then like goes to throw Whoa. it back <laughs> and it flies out of his glove. And he's like, oh, shit. And run. And run. I don't know. How he's Nor- French now. Norwegian stuff. Yeah, she, 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 she. <laughs> well, he tries, to to he tries to like pick it up out of the snow and he doesn't make it. But the, the other sh- guy does. The other yeah. guy does. The other guy doesn't even know that the grenade mishap happened. And unfortunately <laughs> for both chaps, they had carried a, a case of 50 grenades onto the <laughs> chopper. Yeah. So all of them blow up. Yeah. Um, and everybody from the American base is just standing there like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Fucking Norwegians again. <laughs> What's it say on the side? Norge. Yeah, they're Norwegian. Uh, the dialogue kills me. And, and the best way, I'm not making fun of it. I swear to God, it just cracks me up. So the chopper blows up. And then uh, the, the the remaining Norwegian starts firing. Again, terrible shot. All he manages to hit is uh, Benning. it's Benning's leg. Yeah, it's Benning's. It's Benning's leg. And then fucking Gary. So ready. <laughs> Eagle eye Gary. <laughs> fucking Annie Oakley. Gary was already. <laughs> Gary Oakley. <laughs> Yeah, this Norwegian He's from Gary, guy. Gary, Indiana. This Norwegian guy like emptied a whole like three magazines trying to kill this one dog, and Gary's like one shot with a pistol <laughs> right across, in his left eye across the field. <laughs> I love that shot of him like breaking out the window though too, and like he's just so ready, like yes. And they even what makes it so funny is they they call it out. Like one of the characters in a few minutes is like, oh, he was oh, El Capitan was waiting to fire that sidearm or whatever. Yeah, um, it's just. So you get this whole idea of they've been watching him in there for three months, like loading it and slipping, like <laughs> clicking the revolver, like ready. Like, yeah. what are you going to shoot in Antarctica, Gary? Fucking Gary. Gary for this. <laughs> Gary. Uh, but, so anyway. And they, the, the the real quick, the Norwegian guy, if you if you actually can speak Norwegian, he reveals the entire plot of the movie up top. Oh, that's dope. What does he say? If you translate, you're all gonna die. He says he's gonna live at the end. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's something along the lines like, "Move, you idiots! That's not a dog. It's a thing from outer space. Get out of here! I need to. It needs to die before it spreads. It can mimic you." He like basically says exactly what it is. Plot hole, Steven. 
because as we've learned, they all speak English and he should have said, said this in English. Well, there is one guy in the 2011 thing that does not speak English and they call it out. So oh, I bet it's wow. him. <laughs> okay. They thought of that, Andy. I stand correct. Again, I only watched the first two so minutes, but they did the, call out that Franz does not speak English. If only the other guy hadn't been killed by the grenade, he'd have been like, no, hey, guys, I love scotch. Uh, so yeah, they, they decide as a team very quickly to go uh, inspect the Norwegian station, right? Uh, and I think, is it Palmer that's also a pilot, but they don't want Palmer. He's a shitty yeah. pilot and he's always smoking weed. So they're like, nah, you're, you're cool. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Mac fly us. Um, Cause in this movie, it's constantly clear and beautiful looking outside, but always really dangerous to fly a helicopter. And I just have to, you just have to trust the well, copter it's that, it's guys. That it's that cold weather. It's that cold weather, man. It'll get you. It'll get you. Uh, so they, the, it's, it's McCready and the doctor who I think is named copper Dr. that copper, fly to, yeah. uh, nor the Norwegian station. Uh, they do some inspecting and while they're inspecting, it cuts back and forth to the dog who is now in the American station, kind of prowling to the tune of Stevie wonder. Mm-hmm. Very superstitious. It's just the dog walking through the hallways. <laughs> Isn't Nalls rollerblading? Yeah, in that scene. Too? Nalls yeah. is a rollerblader, and he yeah. loves Stevie Wonder. And then Bannings gets up like, hey, "I'm trying to sleep. I just got shot." Um, and Nalls is like, "All right, buddy," and yeah. like fakes turning. Yeah, it down. definitely doesn't turn it down. I wouldn't either. It's a banging song. Uh, and then McCready keeps. He's like kind of xenophobic ish. Like there's this this humor where he keeps calling him Swedish. Um, like when he busts in the station, he's like, Hey, Sweden. And then, and then the doctor's like lightweight offended. Like they're Norwegian. I've told you several times, this is offensive. I know they're all dead, but come on, man. Uh, I, I love, shit like that's hilarious. I love how droll McCready can be like after they shoot the Norwegians at their base and they leave, there's that line he has. He's like first week of winter. Yeah. <laughs> there's, I wrote down some of them. There are so many like out of place, hilarious lines. Um, one's coming up actually. It's not supposed to be funny. It just is to me. So they explore all the carnage in the Norwegian base. It's all frozen over and shit. People are dead. I think one guy like killed himself. It looks like. Yeah. And the ice froze off his veins. And then Dr. Copper finds all kinds of like incriminating documents and evidence and stuff that they can use. And then McCready's like, what's it say? And (laughs) it killed me for some reason. And Copper looks at him and goes, it's all in Norwegian. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, yeah, as it would be. Uh, but I love that. Like Carpenter was like, we got to remind them. We can't read these quite yet. It's going to take some revealing. Uh, they find the uh, excavated ice block and it's very sinister with uh, Ineo's score. Uh, it just looks like something they cut out of ice. Like they made yeah. a giant cocktail. Like they let, they, there was like a sarcophagus in a, yeah. a big square block and they took it out. And then they find like some gnarly charred remains. It's vaguely human, but also has like, it's like Spider-Man, the iron spider suit, you know, cause it's got these like uh, legs around the back, all kinds of crazy shit going on. Is that and, a man in there? And they bring it back. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I don't like, it just like, cuts to the scene and they're in the autopsy room, just laying this like, and it's still like steaming for some reason. Like it's still hot from being burned i don't know why i guess it recently burned yeah, when they, they took bring the it back off. they're like it, it when they unveil it there's just like smoke that comes billowing yeah it was hot boxing like, in that bag man. A weird choice it was a hot body still man and nobody's just like nobody in that whole room is like oh my fucking god it has two faces yeah <laughs> right they're all just like well they're all scientists i guess that's what i was trying to figure out this go around because they make a lot of interesting decisions like half of them are scientists yeah. yeah and then there's like the really high guy 
Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> There's Palmer Windows, who's the communications dude. So I wrote down all the names. Yeah. Uh, tell me if I missed any, because this was actually hard for me. There's uh, Copper, who's the doctor. He's one of the uh, doctors, yeah. Uh, well, there's the doctor, and, and then, then there's, there's like the, the autopsy guy. Yeah, he's like the biologist, and that uh, is Blair. Blair. Yeah, and played then, by the venerable Wilford Brimley, venerable of, of diabetes fame. Oh, diabetes. Clark is the dog guy, the dog, and guy. he can get it. Fuchs is he's the, the assistant to Blair. The, he's the paranoid guy. Then there's Windows. Childs is uh, Keith David. He's uh, the I think mechanic. I mean, I, don't, I never got a handle on what their jobs were. Yeah, Nalls is like the chef, right? Yeah, he's yeah. the chef. Nalls uh, is the chef. Bennings is like the guy who dies first, right? That's, That's his, his role. job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Norris is the fucking loser <laughs> who dies in the lamest way. I think Norris is actually the person who dies first. He is not. I think he is. It's either it's either Norris or Palmer is the person who no, dies first because they're the shadowed person that the dog walks into and they cut away. Oh, you mean technically because it's revealed that Norris is an yeah. alien. We'll get into that because yeah. I'm actually still confused even after two watches. I have a few, I have some questions. Dude, every time I watch this movie, I, I, I go down the same rabbit hole of like reading up like who got infected when, mm-hmm. who was a thing. Yeah, who this is like the thing? original Among Us. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, I was yeah. thinking the same thing today. I was like, Norris is pretty the sus. imposter and you're running around, you're doing your tasks and somebody's <laughs> trying to yeah. Sabotage. Exactly. I would have lost my shit if, like, yo, Charles, you're acting pretty sus. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, team meeting. Yeah, <laughs> they frequently do that. Call uh, me sus. Call me sus again, motherfucker. Like, he just, I would. Oh, if if Keith David said something like that, holy shit. <laughs> Keith David's a fucking icon. Yeah, this was his first big role. Well, I was trying to think. I didn't do any research. I wonder. Like, where did everybody start with this? I know you said a lot of them were over the hill TV actors, and I didn't know that. Um, but you get that impression from like the way Gary is. You're like, ah, oh, he was definitely in a bunch of episodes of Matlock, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you can just see it. Like, in the heat of the night, uh, character number and, six. And Wilford Brimley's famous, but he's famous for his like TV work. He was never in like, right. other than like Cocoon mm-hmm. and this, he wasn't in a ton of. I would argue movies. Keith David never really got his due. I mean, he does a ton of iconic voice work. Uh, Keith, but Keith David gets a ton of like he's in a lot of movies. But yeah, he's, but yeah, he's, you're right. He's never like the main character. He but he's, more, but he's a huge. But uh, Kurt force. Russell, what had he done so far? I mean, all of the uh, Goldie Hawn romantic comedies, all that you know, all that stuff. Overboard, that stuff hadn't happened yet, right? I don't. Uh, I think I don't he th- did some seventies right stuff because, that's big, but because uh, Kurt Russell was actually, I think, like the fifth person in line for this role. Like he was not an early choice. Like really? They, like they would knock through a bunch of people before, fi- before finally they were like, well, he's cheaper. We worked with you on a uh, escape from New York. Escape from New York was before this. I th- uh, he worked with Carpenter before this. It I was. assume it's that. Escape yeah. from New York was 81. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And it, the, the I only reason I guess that bunch of stuff before that, but nothing that I've heard of. Yeah, like he was definitely, I forget who it was. There was a bunch of actors that they, like, I think Jeff Bridges was oh. the first choice for this. That would have been good. Um, he was an extra. Nick in, Nolte uh, was. It a- happened at the World's Fair. It's an Elvis movie. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges were the first two choices for McCready, but um, I think one of them straight up turned it down and the other one couldn't do it for scheduling reasons. I bet uh, Nick Nolte turned it down. He was too high. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't they just fucking kill the thing? Uh, So we do a practical effects autopsy. And he's just like, it's just uh, Blair going through like, yeah, it's just your average liver, hmm. normal heart, 
There's some intestines. Clearly has some diabetes. <laughs> this thing clearly suffers from type There's 2. There's poop in there. <laughs> uh, we cut to Palmer. And I, think the, I think the autopsy scene, actually, I don't know why I said autopsy. You just put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, no big deal. They use actual animal organs for the close-ups. Mm. So when he's like like twiddling about with a, with a, with a spleen that's a real spleen. <laughs> huh. Not a fan of that. <laughs> yeah, also not a fan. Uh, we cut to Palmer and I think Childs uh, just sharing a nice Watch little spliff. Yeah. Is that Monty Hall they're watching, I think? I honestly, I don't know. I think that's Monty Hall. Listeners, write in if you know. I'm sure you do because we got so many uh, Lisa Frank emails. that My, you, my 80s and 70s game show knowledge is not it's very weak. good. Well, Palmer had already seen that one, so he turned it off. Uh, and then finally, somebody gets Clark to put the dog that's recently rescued from the Norwegian terror uh, to put him in the uh, kennel with the rest of the dogs. And the dogs immediately go nuts. And I love that the alien's pretty stupid, right? Clark's not two seconds outside the door and the alien cannot resist just a shake in and get screaming off. It's <laughs> and why does it it like Demogorgon's its face <laughs> and just just all the blood that would be in the dog, I guess, pours out and, and then its little skull falls out. Yeah, he just like sheds dog <laughs> do, immediately for what to get other dog skin. <laughs> what was its plan there, Steve? The, the tentacles have to come out of somewhere. But for why? It's so he, it can be five dogs. He already was a dog. Chris, have you ever heard of the phrase looking cool? Because <laughs> that what this that's what this alien's going for. It wants to look cool. I just want to know what its goal was. <laughs> I do Absolute I do cool. love this dog actor. Uh the dog is named Jed. But I love there's it, Steve. <laughs> its name is Jed. Jed it's, short for Jed die. It's dead. Jed's dead. Um <laughs> But I love it because there's something so off-putting about the way it is. It's always looking directly ahead and it's skulking. It doesn't like acknowledge anything else. It just looks very off. Very well trained. Yeah, it's very well trained. And, and all the other dogs don't like it. You know, the other dogs are like looking their nut sacks. And, yeah. And just one dog sleeping. to get away from it. Almost chews through the fence. Yeah. Which I think is is really well done. It's really terrifying. It's cool. It's like that dog is fucking scared. Mm -hmm. He's biting the metal. And yep. That's not okay. But that's Clark dog loves doggies. He's a pupper lover. That's the dog that gets sprayed. The one that was smart enough to rip out a hole. I know. I so know. That we were talking I about this off spray. air. <laughs> what are they spraying that poor dog with? <laughs> because it's practical effects. They're really spraying a real dog. And that dog is well trained. To, but it's not an actor. It doesn't know it's that in a movie. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. Thank you. And, hey! <laughs> and it's like running back and forth, getting shot with like the Nickelodeon slime. And, and I'm like, leave it alone. How many takes did they do? Hopefully one. I hope one. Well, they That's had four other cannon. dogs. <laughs> oh, goddamn, Steve. They would just spray one, like, all right, take two, get the other one in here. Get <laughs> two, come on. Good. And this is where the movie gets... Well, it's funny, the, the dog in the first scene that is getting shot at, that isn't Jed, the dog that's in the interior scenes. It's a separate dog, but they painted it to have the same markings cool. as Jed. This was before the, the dogs were unionized. <laughs> yeah. And already the movie goes completely off the rails as far as character reactions. I'm here for it. I'm not making, I, I rated this four stars in Letterboxd. It probably deserves more. I wanted that in advance, but I do think some stuff's funny. Four stars. Funny. For instance, this guy. Casual misogyny. So Mac hears uh, it's sophomoric misogyny. Oh, damn it. Sophomoric misogyny. That's an old school joke. Holy shit. <laughs> so Mac hears the dogs barking, nothing else, and decides to break the glass and pull the fire alarm based on the upset dogs, right? And I guess he's just like, I've seen enough. 
right? There was a, Nor- Norway was off the chain. Oh, didn't he? Didn't he go in there first before he he did? No, I thought he, he went in, saw it, and then broke. No, the he's calmly getting in the cabinet. Like there's this um, locker room kind of thing, and he opens that door, and then like hears the dogs wailing and barking, and then goes and pulls the fire alarm. Well, he could be on high alert because they just got uh, you know That's invaded what I said. by the Norwegians. Well, so, he yeah. just saw the Norway stuff, but it's like still funny. Then he says, without seeing the dog first, he grabs a shotgun and it cuts to someone else. I don't know. And he goes, Max said, grab the (laughs) flamethrower. And I remember thinking, why? He hasn't seen the dog monster yet. He just like immediately like, whatever this is, I'm not fucking having it. Max like Gary with his fucking gun. He's like, I've been waiting my whole fucking life for this. Let's the (laughs) flamethrowers. And then I, when they I think the, he sees him first because in my notes I have Clark sees the monster and then the next next note I have Max sounds the alarm. I'm telling you he doesn't. I, I watched it 30 minutes ago. Okay. I mean I, you've seen it so many more times than me. Maybe the editing's a little weird, but <laughs> but I do have the note. Mac wants the flame from <laughs> yeah, like that's <laughs> the best line of all. Why wouldn't Mac want that? That'll yeah, solve course. all the problems. So I think uh, who grabs it? Child. Child. Yeah, because he's the last one to show up. Yeah, always. Always, always. We'll get to that later. Child shows up last with the flamethrower. They all watch for a little too long, but it is shocking. What the fuck is that? I get it. Mm-hmm. And then the thing, like, I think it's the only the thing. Oh, this is going to keep happening. <laughs> that's what it is. The thing, it gets like a... Um, like monster arms. Three-fingered arms? Yeah. Is that its true form? I don't think it has a true form. It's just whatever, right, whatever it needs to But do. what is that? It needed to grab up into the roof and escape. So it grew arms. Yeah. Three-fingered ones. Yeah. It's like Goro's hand. It looks like Goro's hand from from Mortal Kombat. And then he grows feet, too, and, like, kicks through the boards and jumps. uh, (laughs) But he doesn't make it. He's just hanging there when Child's uh, flame throws it. Is that that the verb of flame? He throws the flame. He throws the flames at it. He flamed through it. Like, eh. Uh, And they put it out immediately. Oh, yeah. They they don't want to set the base on fire. fire. (laughs) That's a big fire, though. I was like, do flamethrowers really do that? Holy shit. And then what's it time for, guys? That was really scary. What do we do? Because we're scientists. Another autopsy. God damn it. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Blair. Well, you know, Blair's been sitting in that. He's the biologist in Antarctica. You know, he's like, God damn, there's finally life I can cut into. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, there used to be another guy there, and he got autopsied while still alive because Blair was bored. I do love how Blair studies this thing for conservatively a half hour. He cracks it off like crab legs at the goddamn buffet. Like, I, I'm like, what are you doing? That's not scientific. But yeah, he immediately is like, what we have here is a thing that imitates things. I know. <laughs> figures it all out. Clearly. I took that note. Blair figures it all out. Before that, though, there's the, um, I, th- I don't know. I think it's Blair. It's from the autopsy to him explaining what's going on. I'm not sure. But there's a freeze frame fade to black. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like like it's it's not a long shot of Blair's face. It's Blair's face frozen, like just a picture of it. Yeah. And I was like, interesting choice. They wanted to fade out but didn't have enough footage. So they just. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. They probably just wanted to do that fade that fade really hard, but they didn't have the footage to extend into the fade. We ran out of film that day. I've done that before. (laughs) I caught it. I never catch that shit. I'm like, that is a still frame. That is not a long shot. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Blair just froze. Uh, I've totally done that before. (laughs) And then the film does this really clever thing where it starts to make Clark sus. And if we want to use uh, uh, among us terms, because Clark was the dog lover, he was, I, we think, alone with the dog. We don't know who the shadow was in the room with the dog. I guess Steve's uh, people on Reddit have said it was Norris, I guess. 
Um, it's debatable on whether it's Norris or Palmer. Okay, true. Because it definitely wasn't Clark. I think it's, well, John But Carpenter, Clark says, I was alone with the dog for an hour and a half. So that's an intentional misdirect yeah. when he's talking and, to Blair. And he's not, he's he's revealed later to not have to ever be human. been a thing. Yeah. But I mean, John Carpenter purposely, when he filmed that shot in particular, where the you, shadow? you see the shadow and the dog walks into the room with the person, the shadow, the person who is that shadow is not any of the main cast members. He... John Carpenter said in an interview, he purposely made it. I forget who the, he said it was, but it's none of the main cast, but he wanted to be so it was ambiguous as to whose shadow that was. Yeah. But if you look at the shadow, that person has curly hair and a turtleneck who wear, who has curly hair and a turtleneck Norris does. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm always, I always feel like, well, it's probably Norris. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, and then they start watching the Norwegian home movies. Nothing of interest there until I, I love how they're watching. They have like, well, we got 10 hours of this and, yeah, and yeah, nine like, hours left. Yeah, and McCready's like, what do you say? He said, can't learn anything from this. And then literally <laughs> 10 seconds later, Oh, an alien. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. We didn't have to watch all nine hours of this. Cause it jumped straight to them placing thermite charges in the ice. Uh, and they reveal something. So they go to look, I think it's about five, six miles Northeast of the Norwegian base, as I recall. And that's where they go to the dig site and they find a spaceship, presumably the one from the title sequence. There's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> totally unrelated. <laughs> Editor fucked up. And then I think it's Blair. He looks at like, how old do you think this is? And he's like, well, because of the backdrafts on the cubes, I'm reckoning this ice is over a hundred thousand years old. That was a pretty fucking, I think it was a quote. Again, I just watched you this. nailed it. <laughs> like Wolfer Brimley, Brimley himself came in and read that. So we, we figure out pretty quickly the spaceship crash landed when we were still Neanderthals or thereabouts. And, uh, the alien got out and just froze, but they don't freeze to death. In fact, it's almost impossible to kill them. So it's just been in there in a block of ice for 100,000 years waiting to be woken up uh, and just chilling. And so they go back. And ah. they, <laughs> nice. They tell this theory to the crew and Childs don't believe it. He's like, bullshit. Cockamamie. Malarkey. I don't and, believe any of this. And McCready Palmer's super high on weed and he's like a tinfoil hat guy. So I believe it happens all the time. Like those damn Mayans they found, right? He goes on and on with his. They practically his ran the Incans. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts to Blair. And well, this, you're, you're missing the part when Nalls comes in. And it's like, yo, motherfuckers, you got your dirty ass underwear yeah. everywhere. Right. And, it's, <laughs> and it's the ripped up Long Johns, which become important later. That's Chekhov's underwear, sir. Yeah, Chekhov's ripped up Long Johns. Copper's like, sorry, I this, shit myself. This is where the movie almost loses me and it's not their fault it's just 80s computer technology right 80s 1982 <laughs> yes it cuts to blair he's analyzing he did the autopsy right he's he's really smart he's he figured out that this was an imitating creature from outer space instantly right so he's he's a fucking genius in fact but somehow he wrote software for this 1982 <laughs> yeah, computer <laughs> already in that amount of time that can was, tell him it was the movie stakes dot exe. Yeah. <laughs> what he just developed and ran. I know it was like uh, probability that entire uh, that someone on crew is infected. Seventy five percent. Like the computer's just saying this shit. He's reading it like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, damn it. And then it's like uh, if alien escape, if intruder escapes, entire world will be infected in twenty seven thousand hours. He's like, ah, oh, shit. Like what? How? I'm about to lose my shit over this. I don't know much about computers, but I know that 
it can't do that, right? <laughs> like, I don't think it can do that today. He's <laughs> like, fuck, the one little blob just absorbed the other blob I, and it I, turned red. I wish we just saw like over the shoulder of the cam- of the computer, the Blair's reaction. And then when it panned around, it was just the chess game that McCready was playing. <laughs> like Avengers when Tony Stark's like, that man was playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. You cheating bitch. <laughs> so anyway, the computer's super smart. Tells him the probability. So then he grabs the gun out of the desk. And so Blair, Blair is the only one that's hip. And this is the question that I have. I might have to jump a little bit ahead to answer this question. I'm confused. Because mm. on the rewatch, I'm like, oh, Blair's actually a G, right? He goes around, destroys all means of transportation. I don't know what the panels that he's hitting in the computer room when he's going batshit are, but uh, presumably it's communication devices. Yes, he's, he's the only one that's hip to how serious this is. He doesn't trust. He's the first one to not trust anybody. And he's making sure none of them can get off of Antarctica so that the rest of the world is safe. Mm-hmm. Am I correct about that? Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then after being isolated, having contact with no one, Blair is the last infected alien guy. I yeah. don't know how that happens. He was definitely he's, not an alien when they put him in there because he's hurting the alien's mission by destroying the choppers and stuff. He's I'm confused. Most, he's most likely infected because uh, there's a bit of line of dialogue that insinuates that Blair's out there for three days. Mm-hmm. Like that's how long. So he's been by himself for three days. But he had to have been infected for a long time. Because he does a bunch of industrious things that are right. also the worst part about this movie. Right. But I'm saying that uh, in that time frame, it's speculated, at least the the rumor, the, 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 the prevailing theory is that um, Palmer or Norris, whichever right. you believe is the first one, got to him fairly early because he's by himself. And uh, even at, later on in this in the in the movie, we see Fuchs see someone dash across the hall, probably Palmer or Norris. And that's how he meets his end as he chases yeah. him out there. So that person is running around at night doing shit. Yeah. Like the, like among us. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like as soon as, as soon as you get Wilford Brimley out there. And I think a good way to tell that is when he's calm when, again. Well, he's calm again, but you see that he's made a noose, but he hasn't done anything with it. So at one point he went out there, was freaking out. He's like, I'm going to kill myself. And then he got affected. And now, obviously now he's he eating, doesn't want to kill himself. He's just eating cans of beans. Like, I'm fine, Mac. Yeah. I, I want to w- come back. I would really like to go inside again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine now. I built the whole spaceship downstairs. Would, would a crazy person do that? Did you hear me? I said I want to come inside. <laughs> But we'll get there in a little bit because that that's hilarious to me. Uh, and then we cut to Max smelling them draws that he found in the garbage. <laughs> Presumably Just smelling them Be- beaten off. <laughs> oh, we're all going to die. And he started making these like vlogs like day 12. Just the one. Super tired. Been drinking scotch a lot. Not going to lie. <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> I know. How is he not wasted by the end of this movie? I guess he poured a huge shot of it into the computer. Uh, and they decide to move the body from the autopsy room into the storage room, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I would think bloody carcass makes more sense in the medical room than in, like, the supply room. But who am I? I'm not running this fucking science institute. That's where they get their shots in there. You don't want that nasty-ass corpse while you're getting a Band-Aid from Doc Copper. 
Mac, we need you to move your stuff because we're putting a body where your stuff goes. <laughs> like, that's the next scene, which is fucking hilarious to me. There is another line, speaking of that, when they're putting Blair in the shed, they're like, Mac, why don't we put you in it? Yeah, why don't put we, him in Mac's house. Why don't we put him in Mac's shack in Mac's house? Because I don't want him in my shack. Yeah, I'm shacking up with that guy. <laughs> Just the way he said it was so funny. Mac's shack, that's awesome. Uh, and we get like little leaky tendrils in the storeroom because we find out that the body is not dead, right? And uh, Fuchs stole Blair's notes and he ends up talking to McCready in like the little bulldozer thing. There's a weird name for it, like the Tolkieniski or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's the machine. And they're out there and they read the notes and like the cells are not dead. They're alive. And that's when they it reveals to the audience about how the creature's still alive. But while Bennings is alone in the storeroom, he gets got by the, the still alive alien. And Fuchs is out there worried about Blair talking to Mac. Uh, and then uh, Windows finds him in there getting like almost sexy choked out, right? Like some people get in the situation Bannings is in on purpose. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> shirt off. For some reason, his shirt's off his in the chair now. <laughs> his shirt's off. He's covered in KY jelly. Both of them. It's David Carradine in a fucking closet with his belt. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Both of his nipples are got like, like alien clamps on them. I don't know what's going on in there. Well, we do, we do establish that the alien sh rips your clothes off. Uh, or at least rips up your clothes when it mm. uh, assimilates you. That's where that's what the ripped up long johns are for. I thought that was like when it transformed, it's going to rip clothes, kind of like um, a superhero, you know, like Hulk style. That's what I thought. But yeah, you're right. There is like a naked establishment to the uh, transformation process. What would it be weird if like they 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 left Bennings in there, and as soon as they left, he's like, "All right, alien," he starts taking off. Yeah. <laughs> now we're alone. Now that we're alone. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I love this month's theme. It's all about balance. How do you spend time for yourself when you're so busy worrying about other people? I find that extremely difficult. I know I've got kids. I've got dogs. I've got cats even. They're very self-sufficient, but every now and then very demanding, especially when their bowl's empty. And so it's all about getting caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never thinking about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving it, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. So therapy can give you tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Steve, you know a thing or two about this, don't you? Yeah, I was actually in a relationship with someone. It was a very codependent relationship, and I spent so much of my time not worried about my own health but their own. And that left a lot of things in my life uh, not as great as they could be, Chris. And so I was able to get involved with BetterHelp. I found a therapist. It was very easy to use. My therapist was really, really awesome. She gave me books to read, gave me homework, and made me realize that I am a person worthy of value and worthy of spending time on myself with. Uh, and that's why BetterHelp is really, really awesome. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You found it to be the case, Steve? I did. 100% love BetterHelp. And so all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. So if you feel like you're not vibing, if you're not vibing, mm -hmm. you, can, you can move on. Next. And then you, know, you can worry about balance. Immediately. You want to make sure you get the therapist that you want and not the therapist that may be a very picky cat. Mm, that's true. Mm -hmm. My cat is a terrible therapist. Yeah. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash streaming things. 
And then uh, Gary's real sad. This is the first time we see Gary was not sad to shoot a Norwegian in the face, but Gary is sad about Bennings because that's his friend. I've known him for 10 years, damn it. And then Max like, that's not, that's not Bennings. <laughs> Clearly he had a giant weird hand and he went. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Yes. Gary, I don't I'm, know how stupid you are. That was not him. Right. And then they lit that motherfucker up with a flamethrower. I love this scene because it's like, we've already established for the entire crew that the aliens can mimic anything. Right. And yet Gary's still like, God damn it. Why'd you set Bennings on fire? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the first human they've yeah, seen. Yeah, I know. And I think there's a little, it's different when it's just a dog and now it's like, that was what? Bennings. We were having a conversation. That little bit there was one of the more affecting horror mov- moments seeing the character like looking up with the fucked up hands and stuff. Oh yeah, Bennings. noise is like, the, oh shit. That actor was really good for sure. Oh, sure. I don't know what that noise was. The, well, the noise, it was like in the, uh, the sound mix. I watched it on uh, Peacock premium and like this sound damn Andy that. doesn't work for Peacock we swear to God <laughs> it just happened to be on there uh, I'm just saying I, I signed up for Peacock premium to watch this movie too Andy so. drops PP at least twice an episode <laughs> <laughs> even out of context like I am known to do that you can email us at Peacock premium I'm sorry streaming things pod I but, vote to only refer to Peacock Premium as PP from now on. <laughs> motion passed, motion carried. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, the uh, sound mix w- w- was not the best, uh, and it just might be an artifact of its time. But the noise of him going no, oh! and when he's got the fucked up hands, was it sounded far away and tinny. Why did Andy's version sound like Zoidberg? <laughs> I just love how every like we've all done a different bending scream, and I love I love that. What was yours, Chris? I can't do it again. What was yours, Andy? Oh, <laughs> Chris, now you? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> it was scary. Yours sounded like fucking Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after this point, when after Gary's sad, is when the choppers uh, and, and etc. get sabotaged, and it's Blair. He's lost his damn mind. He hurt Windows. Windows is just in there with him with a bloody head, like uh. This tiny old man who got a PhD in biology, we can assume, beat the shit out of me, (laughs) which is embarrassing. Come on, Windows. The fuck, man? First, you're the weird guy that's always wearing his sunglasses inside. Now you can't even fight. So apparently uh, there's a story where that actor who plays Windows, um, I don't have his name in front of me, but the first day of shooting, he showed up on set wearing those sunglasses and they weren't in the script. He had a completely different name in the script and he just showed up and said, I want everyone to refer to me as Windows from now on and I will be wearing these glasses. (laughs) And Jared Carpenter was like, all right. I like it. And there's an interview with like Kurt Russell and one of the other actors who were like, yeah, we don't know why he allowed that. That was weird. <laughs> I'm glad that he did. Cause it fits right in. You know what I mean? As far as like the, the way the characters are and all the other names. Cause I, I think windows so, real name Gary. is Mac, which is confusing. Cause they also McCready. call McCready Mac several times. I'm glad well. they changed that. Yeah. Jeez. That would have been super upsetting. It's like everybody has a nickname or their last name, except for Gary. Speaking of Mac, he beats the shit out of the old man, Blair, and I think it's hilarious the way <laughs> yeah. that it's shot because they, they rush in with the door and the axe and all that stuff, and then they overpower him finally. Like, he throws Gary into a, a trash can, like, fuck you, Gary, and then <laughs> I'm like, damn, Blair's getting it, and then it just, they push him down into a corner, and then, and just, then he gets a shot. You just see Mac wailing kind of surreptitiously, like, for no reason. Yeah. 
And he's, you can hear Blair going, oh, <laughs> that makes me laugh. And I forget who it was. It might, is it Childs or is one of the other ones who are like, good shot, McCready. Oh, yeah. Get him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Nalls, but yeah. Kick his ass, McCready. <laughs> Kick his ass, Seabass. Uh, and then they lock him in the tool shed and they're like, Blair, you better not be whacking off in my tool shed. There is a line. Keep your dick beaters off my tools. (laughs) (laughs) And then they happen to come up with a test real quick. And I love this little line. This is the kind of shit that's so funny to me. Like Max walking around with the, uh, I think it's Doc Copper now. And he's like, damn, I wish there was some way to test which one of us is an alien. And Doc's like, actually, uh, adjusting his spectacles, I've been devising a way we could do that. I'm pretty sure if we mix the blood with the intruder's blood, it would have some sort of reaction. We could probably tell pretty nah, lickety split. And Max's like, oh, well, f- cool. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that then for sure. And then so they run in to find the blood. I guess they each have their... um their own blood stored in case there's some kind of medical incident so they could, you know, get backups or whatever. But somebody had gotten in there and it's all leaked out on the floor. And only, what is it, Gary and Dr. Copper have access to the blood, correct? So Gary has access to the key. He gives the key to Doc Copper when he needs to get into the blood. Mm -hmm. So So in, in theory, to get into that cabinet, the key should only exchange between the two of them. But I, But I'm confused because... Uh, the keys are a big sort of like point of controversy about this film because a lot of people point to the fact that, um, oh, who, uh, Palmer got the keys off of windows because there's an audio cue when windows goes in and sees Benning's getting taken over. There's an audio cue of him dropping keys. And a lot of people are like, oh, windows had the keys and that's how thing got the keys. For the blood and everything. For the blood. But it's like, but they established that only Gary has them and gives them to Copper when he needs to get in. I don't know. It's, it's a little well, Gary bit Gary does say somebody could have pulled it off of my belt. and Yeah. But why would Windows have that is the thing. Maybe Windows was already the thing. Maybe those are different keys because that's the storeroom keys. It's not necessarily like blood keys. True. It might be like a key ring. Yeah. Different keys. Okay. And that, and he needed, yeah, he needed to get into the storeroom, so he just got the key ring. Yeah, yeah. And Gary's just being a little, he's being a little, he's lying a little bit. Gary's being a fucking Gary. He's just uh, anyone who <laughs> wears bullets on a belt <laughs> is a Gary. <laughs> By the way, only one man on earth I've ever seen has spelled his name with two R's. With Gary and that is my father. And it's Andy's father until this Gary who spells it with two R's. Yep. I don't know if you caught that. Andy. Uh, I did catch that. It's Gary. Uh, <laughs> so then this is where things start to unravel and this is where the movie gets really fucking good in my opinion and you guys had already alluded to this so I assume you agree they they realize they can't trust each other they're arguing about who got to the blood and the keys and all this stuff and who's the alien who's not and they're all all the paranoia comes to a surface um, and obviously Blair was the first of that but now like they're all pointing fingers and cussing at each other and it's, mm-hmm. it's just really really interesting because it could be anybody and windows the freaks the fuck out yeah windows goes for a shotgun and and gary pulls his little gun on him he's like god damn it windows i'll mm-hmm. shoot you in your left window gary oakley <laughs> and then mccready is like hey everybody calm down so they try to give the uh it's really funny to me they try to put norris in charge gary's like norris i don't think anybody would object to you being in charge who is an alien at this point point. and norris is like oh i don't think i'm up to it also interesting 
Mm-hmm. You think as an alien, he would be like, ah, for sure, give me the gun and bang, bang, bang. <laughs> but he decides not to. What do you think about that, Steve? It's interesting. Like I said, a lot of people, it goes back and forth because there evidence, there's evidence to say it's Palmer or uh, Norris is the thing at this point. It's one of those two, maybe both. Um, but it is an interesting thing about, uh, but isn't it Palmer that says he doesn't want to be with windows earlier than this? He's just trying to fit in. That that happens after this, right? It's it's around here. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's just trying to fit in. So of course it's going to act like, that's why I I think Norris was not an alien at this point. And Palmer was, that's my Mm -hmm. theory. So Norris is the one that says, I don't know if I'm up for it. Yeah, he's like yeah. a he's well, like a fucking weak, lame guy that you don't even see much up to this point. It could just be the aliens like, they're going to know right away. They're like, okay, what are we going to do? He's going to sure. like, uh, everybody turn around. But it's like, theoretically. <laughs> the- I think we should all take a nap. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I order you all to. It's, it's pretty hot in here. Can we cool it down? <laughs> I think we should all get naked. <laughs> Where are all the other dogs at? <laughs> I want to go. Pet them. <laughs> I Norris, love, why are you winking? I love dogs. <laughs> so ultimately, McCready kind of puts himself in charge because Norris turns it down. Childs is like, I'll fucking do it and grabs for the gun. And everybody's like, no, definitely not you. And McCready's like, I think it should be somebody a little more even tempered. Grabs the keys and the gun and calls it a day. I'm in charge. Yeah. And he orders Copper, Clark, and who's the other one? Gary. Gary. Sedated. Yep. Because they're the only ones that are sus in his mind at that point. He tries to use logic throughout. Uh, and in fact, in the very next scene, he does use logic. I, I, I can't remember if it's to himself on the on the vlog or if it's to the entire room. Uh, but he's like, I think it's to everyone because he's like, um, I know I'm human and some of you all must be human or otherwise you would all attack me right now. Yeah, that's oh, to that's them. true. That's true. That's true. The vlog. Huh? When he's that's during the body burning scene when they're burning Bennings and the other bodies. That's when he's like, I know I'm human. And if if you all were the if you all weren't, you'd already kill me. Yeah. So some of you are human for sure. Yeah. They're burning the bodies. And then he vlogs right after this. That's right. And he's like, well, I'm very tired. He's drinking a little J&B scotch. Um, And then they pair off to look for Fuchs. Is that why? Is that why Um, they pair off? Yeah, kind of. Well, Fuchs suggests he he meets it with McCready first, and he's like, "Hey, I think we should eat out of cans because of the way this thing is. You know, we yeah, don't want cross contamination." And then he goes off. But then they can't find Fuchs. And yeah, so, they're, they, so they pair off. They go to bed, and that's when Fuchs sees the person walk across his uh, his lab, and then he goes to investigate that, and he finds McCready's ripped up jacket in the snow, and then it cuts there. Yeah, and then that's when Palmer doesn't want to go with Windows. Uh, they're looking for Fuchs. Uh, Blair wants to come back inside. That's when that whole scene takes place. He's like, no, nah, seriously, I'm cool, man. I'd really um, like to go inside. Yeah, don't you know? It'd be nice. I mean, it's warmer in there. I'm almost I, out of beans. I mean, I made a noose, but, you know, let's not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry about that. Yeah, I had a real bad night. We've all made nooses before. We've all been there. We've all been in a situation where we beat up Windows and we wreck all the equipment mm-hmm. and we steal parts from the tractor and we disable the helicopter. Mm-hmm. That's just, we've all done it. We practice our Boy Scout knots. That's a, knot, that's a slip knot right there. Who among us has not done all that? You guys want to see my clubhouse I built underneath this shack? Check this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> it's my jack shack underneath the tool shed because you told me I couldn't whack off in here. Look what I built. I got a little thing I laid in it. Off my damn tools. <laughs> damn it, Blair. <laughs> we cut to Fuchs is burnt. What do you make of this, Steve, Mr. Science Guy? Because they don't know if he burnt himself or or what. 
It's one of life's great mysteries. We don't it? know what happened to what the Fuchs happened to Fuchs. Well, I think it's safe to say at this point, Blair is a thing. And so he's because he's running around getting parts for his little UFO that he's building in, <laughs> under the shack. <laughs> so it probably was I a situation that. where he saw and somewhere between a day and a half and three days. I can't hold it anymore. This motherfucker. We don't know how strong aliens are and stuff, I guess. So it's it's the industrious fuckers for sure. He dug through this thick 40 below ice, like at 90 feet in like this whole room size section <laughs> and built a UFO <laughs> at a, from a box of scraps. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Stark built this in a cave. Blair built this in an ice cave with scraps. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no exit. Where was he going to, he wasn't done digging yet. Damn, I was about to dig a hatch. They done blowed it up. Oh, I forgot another theory as to how Blair gets infected. Sorry, this is another theory. But um, you know how it says he's looking at that computer we're making fun of and it's like cell by cell. It's slowly being taken over, right? So if you watch the autopsy scene, the first autopsy scene when when he's like, Oh, he got some cells in him. Well, if you watch the wide shot when he's explaining to everybody, oh, he puts in his mouth. He puts the fucking bloody thing on his mouth. Yeah, I saw that actually. I was like, that's weird. Yeah. So it, a, a popular theory is like he got infected early, but it took a longer time for him to actually uh-huh. all of his cells to be replaced. Right. Because he was being cell by cell destroyed. Yeah. At a cellular level. Yeah. Verizon sponsored by Verizon. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by PP. Yeah. T-Mobile would have infected Blair faster. Yeah, F- Fuchs is killed. He's probably murdered. Just he's probably not assimilated, but murdered rather to give the crew um, that that confuses the crew, and they're like, "What? Why?" It just adds this whole element of confusion, which gives the alien more time to build its UFO. Yeah, and things have already ramped up considerably. I forgot to mention there's like this uh, huge winter storm brewing at this point, so it's actually quite dangerous to even be outside. And no, they said they, they got six hours up for the that storm, and like. I don't see a storm happen really like ever. And like once in a while, like I got lost in the storm and I'm just like, I mean, no, when, I when everything McCready and Nalls go outside together with uh, the third person, when they find Fuchs is when the storm's happening and you, can, you can't see anything. It's just like, and they're all on like a tether back to the mm-hmm. station. Mm-hmm. They can't even walk outside without getting lost. It's like, yeah. Oh, I'm the, specifically the, talking about uh child's at the end when I got lost to, in the storm, but Oh, okay. Uh, well, there's a lot to talk about there. I think. Yeah. But the, the, I don't think they're actually talking in, like they're more worried about the temperature drop, not so much a storm storm, mm-hmm. but maybe it's more like a, but then there was also like that. I cut McCready loose. Yeah. You like, can't, there's no there way a like human could find their way back to the yeah. station. Well, that was during a storm. Cause that's when they went. That's what towards, I'm saying. There was yeah. a visible storm. There was a visible that. storm oh, for okay. that part. So yeah. there's a couple storms. That's the same scene. Like the whole, yeah. when they find Fuchs and then they said there's six hours or so left till the storm picks up. And then suddenly it's like, completely obfuscated outside and you hear all this Mm -hmm. howling wind and stuff and you're just meant to assume oh that was the storm they had been talking about Mm -hmm. and that's when Nalls cuts him back and even being out there for 10 minutes they're like frozen looking you know like yeah yeah, yeah. looks fucking crazy i I, I was i meant multiple storms meaning the one that uh child's references at the end as well Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. because we had seen him like walk out that's the same broad daylight storm because the events that take place for the rest of this movie happen in a couple hours though Okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's popping off. It's popping off. Okay. Like okay. everything I'm, I'm right. Right. Like everything that happens from here on out is like two hours time. It's within a night. Yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. that short of time, but it's definitely like, you know, maybe 
two there to is a lot two of really seven hours. funny cuts later on. I want to get it's very soon. It's my favorite scene in the movie, I think, but also really funny how it's edited. Um, but we'll get there very soon. So we skipped over my favorite moment, which was the, oh, what was it? The dude's spider head. Did we skip that? No, no we didn't. We, we haven't gotten there yet. We oh, we haven't. Okay. We're almost there. We haven't yeah. gotten oh, there yet. okay. So uh, then while they're outside, I love this line. Uh, McCready's like, uh, he tells somebody to go back and Knowles is going to stay with him. Is it? Oh, it's Windows. He tells Windows to go tell him that they found Fuchs. And Knowles is like, well, where the fuck am I going? And then and then McCready's like, uh, we're going to my shack. And then Knowles is like, why are we going to your shack? I'm not gay. And then Max is like, <laughs> well, no, because I left the lights on when I left. And it cuts to his shack and the lights are the lights off. And I think I just thought that was really fucking cool. Yeah, that like, was delivered from Kurt Russell, who's mm-hmm. cool as a fan. And it's but super also, foreboding, too, because yeah. I think everyone's been in that situation where you're like, I didn't leave that light on. Mm-hmm. Who's in my house? Yeah. Oh, I've been in this situation so many times when I'm in this storm in Antarctica, like tied to another dude. I look up yeah. at my shack and, and I'm things. like, oh, you're right, Steve. <laughs> and Wolford Brimley's just like 20 feet away going, I'd really like to come back inside. <laughs> I wish they had ADR'd him like, seriously. <laughs> I, y'all can't ignore me forever. <laughs> no, you didn't leave the lights. I, I saw you left them on. Yeah, yeah, it's just he's not being subtle about trying yeah. to cover his own tracks. There's not a tunnel in there. <laughs> I'm not building a spaceship. <laughs> Blair, we never thought you were building a space. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm well, not. The tractor is completely fine. All the parts are in it. <laughs> you can I fly the helicopter diabetes. right now. <laughs> I have diabetes. And then so uh, then it cuts back to Knowles coming inside without McCready. So everything happened off camera, which is interesting. And so I guess that jacket that Fuchs found is what's in the furnace in Max Shack, right? The the ripped lawn johns are in Max Shack, but Nall sees the the ripped up McCready jacket on the ground. Did you get the impression that at any point the audience was supposed to believe that McCready might be a an alien. This is the first time because the rest of the movie, we see the movie through Max's eyes. And this is the first time where it removes him for a long period of time. And so now it's adding that element of like, oh, can we trust McCready? Right. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's fair game to be the thing, which I think is like really, really smart to do. Yeah. See, where they messed up, though, was he looks so cool with all that ice in his beard that like <laughs> I just wanted to trust him. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to actually warm him up. One of my favorite lines of the movie is for safety, (laughs) as you do. This scene has one of my favorite lines because they're like, when McCready comes back in, I'm going to light him up. And like child is ready to just fucking kill him. And Windows is like, you know, child, what if we're wrong about him? And child gets right up in his face. It's like, well, then we're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But child is cold as fuck is the note I took. Fucking child does not play games. No, not even the slightest. We just got to safety kill him. It's called a safety kill, fellas. I learned this back home. (laughs) I just love that delivery from Keith David. He's so good. McCready's so cold when he breaks into the storeroom, but he's got dynamite, luckily. Uh, So that was his whole plan, I guess. As soon as he realized the line was cut, he was like, fuck, they think I'm an alien. I need to go to the storeroom and get the dynamite. And there's a window there. No worries. But I've also been, I'm so adept to the life of Antarctica that I can make it back without a line. I didn't take some of that. You're just in the nuggets (laughs) player. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like the idea that Blair's narrating all of McCready's action. <laughs> McCready, what are you doing? Hey, guys, I think it's McCready. <laughs> He's looking pretty sus. <laughs> He's climbing through the window. I'd really like to come back inside. <laughs> Should have let me in there. I could help you. I'll look a pigeon. <laughs> in Antarctica? 
<laughs> Y'all want to watch Cocoon? <laughs> oh, there's a, one of the funniest lines in the movie. <laughs> so McCready's he's got the dynamite and a flamethrower. So he, he suited all that up on real quick in the storeroom. He's pointing at everybody. Wait, does he have a flamethrower? No, he's got a flare. Yeah, yeah. There's a flare, flare in the dynamite. dynamite. He takes the flamethrower from Childs. That's right. But uh, <laughs> I think it's Windows. Childs is like, oh, you're a, you're a fucking asshole. Ass to ass. And, <laughs> and McCready's like, nah, you are. And, and Childs is like, nah, you. And then Windows from the side goes, don't argue with him. And <laughs> <laughs> Why did he say that? Like he's talking to two kids. Don't, there ain't no point in arguing with him. He's never going <laughs> to. It's too far gone. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. That's no not, changing his mind. It's not funny, but I thought it was hilarious. Uh, and then Norris. Uh, tries to attack McCready and then has a heart attack, which now that I know he's an intruder, very strange. Hey, you know, he he, he did manage to get someone else with that move, so, I guess. So I think what he, the reason why he did that is he wanted to, A, eliminate McCready from potentially blowing everybody up because that's a danger to the thing. But B, he can just fake a heart attack and now he can just lie and wait and make his move. Now, I think he makes his move in a poorly timed moment, but... <laughs> It's really interesting because before that, when he's looking, a possum. when he's looking out the window right before he sees Nalls, he has like severe abdominal pains, which are indicative of a, some kind of transformation or some kind of alien shit. And then he has the heart attack. So it's like, oh, that's what the pain was. Um, so it's like subverts that expectation. Like, oh, Norris was just having a heart attack. Early signs of a heart attack. He's a stressed guy. He didn't want to take the captain job earlier because he can't handle stress. Mm -hmm. It's all adding up. He's definitely not an alien. He's a nervous Norris. Yeah, that's what they call him back home. Uh, and then we get Belly Mouth, one of the coolest effects <laughs> in the movie. And it's really, really like sinister because poor Doc Copper is trying to save the guy. And then the whole chest cavity opens up and there's teeth anywhere there needs to be teeth in yep. this alien. That's what I've discovered. Right. I bet it's got dick teeth if it wants to have them. Oh, it could have teeth dick. <laughs> <laughs> just a whole dick of teeth that's a whole rigmarole of <laughs> things you don't want to be a part that's of that's right it's the sequel to teeth the movie yeah, uh, so like behind the scenes the the wide shot when he gets his arm ripped off they actually hired a double amputee to like pull back and have the stubs you know nice we need a guy with stubs stat but, but the funny thing is they put a doc copper mask on the doubles but it's only visible in the wide so when the wide when he's like ah it's the mask is just doc copper with like ah that like grimacing yell face but like it's you, funny because you can kind of tell like oh that's not a human this head. movie is legendary for its creativity with practical effects and like mr clark mentions it a lot in stranger things like he talks about like oh this was melted marshmallow and paper plates or whatever right oh the um, dog and like gum yeah <laughs> right but i also feel like and i'm not we've made a few films but i'm not accomplished especially at special effects but i feel like they took the harder way to achieve some of these things like that like finding a double amputee and then making a silicone copper mask yeah I don't think was probably the best way to achieve that shot, but maybe it was. I mean, I, I know it's tough to do a wide shot with that kind of stuff, but I mean, they want to make it more realistic, you know, get the actor on screen as much as it can. And if you can't put a, put a, put a mask of that actor on. That's what else. I mean though. But if you have the technology <laughs> to make a copper mask, you have the technology to make arms look like they're gone. Right. Like just have it like longer sleeves, pull them in. Well, They'd, I think they wanted that shot of the, the skin tearing and true. Like, yeah. I think, the I think they really wanted cool. that. That was, yeah. that they was gnarly. Some silly things. So like I read that the, uh, 
the um, camera operator when they were uh drawing blood he was like here you can do it on me and so like they're really drawing that's his arm the camera operator's arm that they keep drawing the blood for or not drawing the blood but giving shots to Mm -hmm. um and it's like you don't you look at all the fake bodies that you have everywhere. Just poke a needle into one of yeah. those. Why did you need to, a real person like that? That seems silly. Oh, I I read that fact too. I read it completely wrong. Oh, I thought mean? it was the camera op was like, yeah, I'll you, I'll needle someone. Like oh. he was the one giving the needles. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's it's his arm that they're needling. Like I didn't like. Oh, he's being that, needled. He's this, like this. This camera like, guy's got like he's got a weird. For this. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> finally get to get stabby. And this is when we get the sneaky spider head. Yeah. Because they they melt the guy in its entirety, but the head like melts off and flees. And that's where Matt gets the idea that at a cellular level, uh, each, you know, the alien is uh, millions of cells that want to survive. Not, which is funny. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm going to get real nerdy for a second, okay? Push Can up I, them glasses, may I do bud. this? So I used to read, I'm very, very big fan of Richard Dawkins because uh, I read a lot of his texts on uh, atheism and stuff. He's one of the four horsemen of like really famous smart atheists, but he's also an evolutionary biologist. And he published a uh, book in 1977. So it would have been five years before this movie. I don't know if it's anything to do with it or not called the selfish gene. And his big thing with evolutionary science was that it's uh, survival of the fittest happens at a genetic level, right? Not, it's not the wolf that wants to survive. The wolf has no idea. It's each individual gene inside the wolf that wants to propagate, that wants to survive. And it's at the genetic level that things are killed off or, or go on. Right. So it's like, Oh, this gene isn't working. So it's what's get killed. That's the, what, that's what survival of the fittest applies to is to each gene. And that was his big contribution, which is essentially what this, they discover about this alien. And I found that fascinating. He also, Sorry, each gene. Correct. So you're talking about like within their DNA. Correct. Not, um, okay. Um, so I thought that, uh, survival of the fittest was reproductive specifically. Um, not that it's like I'm the strongest and therefore I survive. It's the most able to reproduce. I, I didn't know anything about this. I think that's part of it, though. Yeah, that, that, that's part of it. That doesn't go against anything that I just said. It's just like that his his big thing was that it's it's genetics. It's, it's not like the this wolf wants to have babies. Mm-hmm. This wolf just does that by this, nature of this, its. This wolf has genetically figured out a way or not figured out, but this genetically, this wolf is able to propagate and reproduce quicker or better or faster or stronger. Yeah. It's like, it's the (laughs) genes in that wolf that are surviving. Right. And so, you know, all of this is, um, theory, but theory with a capital T. Sure. I just thought it literally just occurred to me just now, because I was a big Richard Dawkins fans when I was, when, thinking about how McCready figured out that, Hey, it's, if the body gets destroyed, the arm will run away, you know, even in the the blood, some of this blood will run to try to survive. That's how these aliens work. I was like, mm-hmm. Holy shit. That's what uh, Richard Dawkins figured out. Also influence. he's the one, he called it a meme. M E M E Richard Dawkins is the one that coined that term, which mm-hmm. is now used entirely differently. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he made up the word meme to mean, uh, about this those those genes surviving 
Gotta love Dick Dawkins. Just, the jeans are a bunch of little angry cats. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> lady screaming at it. I pointing. can has cheeseburger. It's just three Spidermans pointing at each other, guys. <laughs> uh, that's what he was trying to say in the 70s. Nobody would believe him. Um, <laughs> but that's when we get Sneaky Spiderhead, Andy. And it hides under the desk and grows eyes. Yeah. And, and I love that it also dies immediately. And Palmer, look, who's also an alien, maybe, looks at it and goes, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And it, it's a really funny yeah, scene. I love yeah. that. So this is your favorite scene it is my favorite scene it's just so silly and the effects are dumb but awesome and like yeah everything about it's like this is the most thing thing for me this scene has the best effects of the movie and also some of the worst effects in the movie all in one like when the head's like coming off and detaching that looks so good and the i think that's what clark was talking about being like marshmallows and yeah the belly teeth look great but when like the the head gets the spider stalks and then I love it when it catches fire and, it, and it's just like, ah. the thing that Clark was talking about. I thought he was talking about like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something like the head melt. He was talking about the thing. He was. Yeah. Yeah. All the little like practical effect that he's explaining to, to the chick to hit on her. Yeah. Yeah. Impress her. It's the thing that they're watching. Oh, okay. And I had never seen it at the time. And so I was like, oh, marshmallows, huh? Or whatever he says. <laughs> But yeah, I also think that the effects are pretty good in this scene, like really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just funny throughout this film, they linger too long on them. Like if you showed them briefly, they would this be was really s- expensive. Exactly. Well, not even yeah. that. They're just like, we worked on this for like nine yeah. hours, bro. Dude, show so- the whole shot. But if they had like glimpsed it, it would have been like really effective. Dude. So the, the guy in charge of the special effects in this movie is a man named Rob Botton. And uh, you guys ready to feel like worthless sacks of shit? <laughs> Absolutely. Rob Botton was 22 years old when he got the job to work on this. Wow. He was in charge of 50 people uh, when he was 22. Hey, you guys, go over here. Yeah. Uh, but he obviously got this job because he was, you know, you know, in, in, he had a lot of great ideas. He, was, he had a really good work ethic. He actually worked on this movie for seven days a week for an entire year and was hospitalized because he worked so hard on the movie. Um, when he was hospitalized, they brought in Stan Winston. And Stan Winston is actually, he's another effects legend. I'm sure you guys have heard of Stan Winston. He actually did the dog scene. That was Stan Winston's, okay. you know, thumb on the movie. But all the other effects were Rob Botton. Um, was and- anybody from the team that worked on Alien? Because this is three years after Alien. And Alien is another practical effects wonder. Oh, sure. Uh, I'm sure someone did. I didn't see that in my research. But um, th- this movie did have a, f- a $15 million budget, which it was the highest budgeted horror film at the time, like they just really like for, for example, so like Halloween, another John Carpenter movie had a $325,000 budget. Yeah. Famously um, poltergeist, which came out, I think the same year, the year prior had a $10 million. And budget. that was Spielberg's. That was probably massive at the time. Yeah. And the studio was like, okay, you can have $200,000 for the special effects in this movie. Rob Botton was like, I need a lot more, please to make this convincing. We need a lot more. And the studio's like, okay, fine. Here's $700,000. But they ended up spending $1.5 million on special effects in this movie, which is like, what is that? Uh, a tenth of the entire budget. Right. Is special effects, which is pretty insane for that time. Yeah, there's a ton of effects in this movie, though, for sure. Yeah. And they, they didn't obviously need too many locations. So at least there's that. Yeah, they had the the refrigerated sound studios in L.A. Where the, where the, it was? Where the interiors, yeah. I mean, they did some exterior work in, um, I forget where the exteriors are taking place. but Minnesota. You, only, you all can film here, but it gets really cold, you know? So what's this thing about a thing? Yeah. I heard there's a thing running around here. 
is have oh geez is that the thing oh we better get it in a chipper (laughs) (laughs) fargo reference yeah (laughs) i don't know which one to use is the thing now but i'm gonna keep my eyes on use (laughs) by the way i got some hot chalky in here because they're so nice (laughs) got some hot chalky they're so nice and then my favorite scene of the movie is the test McCready, inspired by the other test, invents his own test based on what he saw with the spider head thing uh, and decides to take blood from each of them. So he ties everybody up except windows, I think. Uh, And then he tests windows first. And he's like, all right, windows is cool. Have a flamethrower. He shoots Clark right before this. It's before any testing goes on. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're about to start the test. He pretty much says, Clark, you're cool. Windows, you're cool. Clark had grabbed the scalpel earlier and reveals it now and comes at him. And this is what's so sad uh, on a second watch because, you know, Clark's not an intruder. Mm -hmm. So he just gets his brains blowed out by not trusting McCready, which is just bad luck, man. Just bad luck. Imagine if he had just waited a couple couple more seconds. Yeah. And it is a goofy test, but it does work. So windows is clear. Uh, and I love so that throughout quick, this. When they're testing them, they cut each other. They cut their thumbs, right? And yeah. they always do this in movies. They're like, okay, we need to test. We need some blood. And then they put in this massive fucking gash. That's yeah, man. need like 50 stitches. And it's like, ah! Yeah. Like, oh my God. It's windows like, specifically that's like a body horror thing when yeah. he's doing it. I'm yeah, like, he cuts and he from like the base it. of his thumb all the way to the tip of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then like squeezes it. And even Max, like, that's enough. Needed a drop <laughs> of your blood. You gave me a cup. Well, they like fill the cups. <laughs> yeah, the, the petri dishes. Yeah, the petri dishes. No, they're cups. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Go to the kitchen. Grab some cups. The hot needle test. Who wrote the names on there? Was it Windows? I'm guessing. He's got great hand handwriting. All right, get some tape. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of little funny things that are cut out of this. It's fucking hilarious, especially when uh, Childs is cleared. Because every time someone's cleared of being an alien, it just cuts and they're standing there next to McCready with a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. This, this scene is the scene that has the jump scare that gets me every fucking time. Oh, the blood that comes out? The blood jump. That is a good jump scare. Yeah. There's two lame jump scares. The first really lame one is literally just the dog who at that point we think is a dog walks under a table and Bannings goes, ah! While he's playing cards. What touched his gunshot wound? <laughs> is that what it was? I, I don't know. I just, it like brushes his knee. That is That's fair that it touched his I mean, he did You actually just made leg. it way less lame. Oh, did I? Yeah, like maybe, yeah. maybe it hurt him. Yeah, that makes sense. I just got shot, dog. And there's another jump scare that's literally just someone like talking really loud out of nowhere. I forget where it was, but I was like, yeah, you're right. Lame attempt, John Carpenter. Lame attempt, But this sir. blood thing, I know that it's coming. That is a coming. good one. I know it's coming every time and it's still Well, you kind of don't because you don't know which one. And I, at that point, you don't even know what's going to happen. Oh, you know it's coming because you've seen the movie. I get right. It. But I love the way they, they do it because he, he tests windows he's mccready tests himself and then they they like i think child's like this is all bullshit this don't prove nothing and uh is it child's that he goes like oh i i know it or it's gary he's like i know it was you gary that's why i'm gonna test you last and then he and so just in that moment you're like oh okay so that's gonna be the climax of the scene is when we test gary but gotcha no that's fucking palmer that's precisely when it's like palmer's blood and i've seen the movie a month ago and i was like Palmer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it still got me, too. I was super shocked. It was... And then he just sits there like, they're on to me. I'm going to wiggle my way into Alien. Quick, cue the cicada sound effect. <laughs> but I love this scene. The tension's great. Uh, Kurt Russell's acting his ass off. And then there's the horrifying fact that the people that have been cleared are strapped to the couch with the alien now. Well, they're not necessarily cleared. They, have, they didn't... 
Because Palmer's the third person, so, so those two haven't been cleared. Yeah, like how's, that's still, but that's such a horrifying, it's terrifying. Just being like, ah, get this thing away from yeah, me. Like, it's fucking terrible to watch that they're like, ah, and that would be awful. But also, and this is a little hammy, but suddenly the flamethrower doesn't work, and then poor Windows, he just gets frozen in action, and he gets like Venus fly trapped on his face, which and is then, the worst effect in the oh, movie. Oh, it's just clearly a like fake body with like limp ass yeah, legs yeah, getting yeah. thrown around. It's like the um. The scene in it was it is it Halloween where the uh, blow up dog gets pulled through the oh, window. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare yeah, on Elm. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like that. End. Like it's that bad, but for a long time, like, like you could cut away from that. And Please, not uh, that's show what I mean it. about this movie. John Carpenter's like, no, we spent one point five million dollars. We're lingering. <laughs> you spent like ten bucks on that shot. Dude. We you are lingering, away. and then Windows just gets, and then they just catch him on fire. I guess because he's infected now. Mm-hmm. But it's really sad because I like to imagine that he's not. He's just recovering from getting head bitten. Yeah, he's like, I'm really okay, and guys. And but Child's uh, like, torch him. No. <laughs> don't do that. No, please. I will recover. Ow, I'm burning now. Because <laughs> he doesn't scream. You shouldn't have burnt windows. Uh, and then I love the scene, too, where uh, it's, I think, yeah, oh, it's was Palmer. that Blair in the background? <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you guys doing in there? Smells like you're burning some windows. <laughs> I'd then, really like to come inside now. So he torches I'm Palmer. Palmer get, runs out through the wall, like straight Kool-Aid's it all the way through the wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, and then McCready just happens to still have that dynamite. And he throws the stick of dynamite on him and blows the whole body to bits. I just think it's hilarious. Overkill awesomeness. Uh, and then finally, so we got we got Childs. Uh, we got Nalls, we got Gary, and we got Mac. Everybody's cleared except Blair. So that's where we're at in the film. Now we got to te- we got to test Blair now. And then they go out to get Blair a test, and they find out he built a whole ass tunnel and a spaceship. Damn it, he's clever. Yeah, but they they leave Childs behind, and yeah. they say like, "Hey, if 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 we don't come back with Blair, torch him. If Blair comes back before any of us, kill him." And then um, at this point, I think it's when he sees the spaceship, and this is where I think the movie gets really really interesting. Mac decides no one's going to survive this. And their only job now is to make sure that the alien doesn't either. Right. Blair's like, I decided that a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) But what's interesting to me, and you can interpret this how you want, is that everybody else accepts that too. And you would think there'd at least be one guy like Nall's like, ah, disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Hard pass. I want to live, but everybody's just still taking his orders, even though it's to their own destruction. You know, he plant the charges around the building and I guess we're all going to die. And everybody's like, that's fair. You're right, Mac. Um, At least Gary and Nall's. And it's really interesting that Mm -hmm. uh, Childs isn't around for this. I'm interested to see what, what Steve thinks and what he's read about it. So there's a giant ending fight. There's some splodies and some scotch. And it ends up with just uh, Mac and Childs sitting there sharing some J and B. So what's the theory on where Childs was? What do you think? You said there was an ambiguous ending. I don't think it's ambiguous at all. I think they both freeze to death drinking scotch mm-hmm. and the alien was defeated is the way I interpreted it both times. What do you think, Steve? So the, the common theory, there's actually three theories. The, the least likely one to me is that Mac is the thing, but I don't think that's it. Um, but the prevailing one that I see most talked about is that child is the thing for a couple reasons. The first reason is uh, when they leave childs and they're like, well, you know, when, if Blair comes back, torch him, he's wearing different clothes. So when he shows back up, he's wearing a completely different outfit. Is he really? And so the thought is he got, he somehow he got taken over. His clothes got well, torn. Blair's kind of gone for a lot of the time. 
Yeah, so Blair could have, maybe he ran after into the snow to get Blair, but he got overpowered and his clothes got torn up. And so now he's wearing a different outfit because he's like, ah, I got to fit in. My clothes are torn up. The other thing is, uh, is the J&B scotch that McCready hands him is no longer a bottle of scotch. It's a bottle of oil to explode because it's a Molotov cocktail now. And so when he hands it to Childs and Childs takes a sip of it, Kurt Russell smiles in that moment because now he's like... (laughs) You're, you're, you're losing it, old gal. Uh, I, caught, <laughs> I caught you in the lie because uh, he gave him a drink that isn't actually a drink, but the alien doesn't know that, right? Was it a Molotov cocktail? Yeah. I mean, can't you just do that with liquor? Yeah, but it's not going to explode the way it is. I think they actually, at some point in the movie, they they, they, they there's a visual cue that it's not the scotch. It's something oh, else. Okay. And the last bit of evidence, which I think is the smoking gun, is that the DP of the film, I don't have his name in front of me, but the DP of the film purposely lit characters that were the thing and who weren't the thing. So if you are a human, he lights you to where there's a glint in your eye. And if you are taken over by the thing, he lights you so that glint isn't appearing in your eye. And it's it's very subtle. I, I'll have to pull up examples to show you guys exactly what I mean. But you know how in Lord of the Rings, how they like had a they had like, like five lights whenever they shot Galadriel, so her arse, her I eyes sparkled a bunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that, but with one light. So everyone has that glint in their eye if they're human. If not, they don't have that glint. And in that final scene, Childs doesn't have a glint in his eye. Kurt Russell does have a glint in his eye. Well, that seems like you've sold me on the fact that Childs is an alien. But it's such a good... But either way, you know, if he's not an alien, if the creature is the alien... It's a spinny top, you know? It's such a good ambiguous ending where it's like, hey, one of us... One of us could be a thing. One of us could not be a thing. It doesn't matter either way because we're both going to die. Well, no, because wasn't the uh, thing's whole goal there at the end to freeze and hibernate? Yeah. So, like, if Childs is the That's thing, what, it kind of wins. It kind of lost me because they were like, okay, his goal now is just going to be go back to CP time. All right. So we're going to destroy the whole base. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He won't care. He just ran out into the snow then, right? Or why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he have just left? The other thing is, if he does know in that moment that Childs is the thing, what he could do, and maybe it's why he's laughing, is that he's like, ha, this motherfucker, I know he's the thing. So he's, he gives that kind of like, let's, why don't we, why don't we wait here a while and see what happens? That could just be him like, okay, when his, when his back is turned, because he's lowering the guard down of the potential thing. Now he can kill it when he has lowered the guard right. down. He's got a flamethrower still, right? Yeah, he's still got that flamethrower, I think. Does he still have it? No, because mm-hmm. the, the final fight with Blair is really funny. I, I glossed over it, but he like shoves his whole hand into the skin of Gary's face. Yeah, Gary doesn't scream for no reason. He just like... <gasps> Because like there's a little space between his hand and his mouth, and conceivably he's just finger stabbed his face, so that'd be really painful. Finger fucking his face. (laughs) I like to think there's like a awesome. Yeah, I like to think there's like a six foot long tentacle coming out of the palm into his throat, and that's why he's not making any noise. Uh, But then there's this comical Blair like looks left and right to see if anybody's seen him finger fuck Gary. It's just a really weird scene. And then there's like a little tussle, blah, blah, blah. I forget how Nalls dies. Oh, he, no, he just he, he dies off screen. Yeah, he he hears something going on and he goes to investigate and then he just is gone. And we we are left to assume that the thing got, he got him. Got. Yeah, but he but, dies off screen. But then Kurt Russell does this like like forever burning wick of on the dynamite right and it's like 
he like a cartoon. Does a roll. Then yeah, he <laughs> dives and rolls like unnecessarily. You know, how, like in Tomb Raider, you can do that if you like <laughs> yeah, tap the stick really hard to the left and you accidentally do it all the time. Yeah. It's like that. It's like you didn't need to do that. And then he's like, um, fuck you too. And throw, <laughs> throws the dynamite, blows the whole place up. It's it's an awesome cherry on top of an otherwise awesome movie. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. I love that ending so much. I, I ate. Like I like I said, the ending I, more. I didn't know any of that. I just assumed they were both healthy and really sad and getting drunk about the fact that they were going to freeze to death. Like, and either, like I said, either way you cut it, I think it's a great ending. Just the nihilistic, you know, yeah. morbidity of it is so cool. And I aped that ending in a student film I did in college where it was the, it was the horror, horror roulette film. And it was the, a speed dating guy who was trying to like get to this woman who was the cause of his sister's suicide and they finally have a they're finally the speed dating and the ending shot is them like realizing like oh this guy's out to kill me she grabs a knife and you can see like her holding it and the two of them just the camera dollies out as the two of them are just sitting there in silence and that's how i ended the film and a lot of people were like hey why didn't you show the resolution like because i think it's cooler if you don't know who won in that moment i love the thing i, I love did the, the thing i did the thing i love the thing I'm really surprised the studio didn't greenlight a sequel where Kurt Russell gets rescued somehow in like an igloo. Well, it lost a lot of really glad. Oh, that's true. (laughs) It probably took decades for this to be as beloved as it is. John Carpenter had a five picture deal with Universal. This was the first of his five picture deal with Universal. And it did so poorly. They terminated his deal. Wow. Um, Wow. Fun fact. This movie also released the same day as Blade Runner. Another movie that is famously a cult classic that people love that did poorly when it was was What studio made Blade Runner? Oh. Was it Universal, was it? I don't think so. Gosh, I I should know this, but I, I, was it Amblin? No, it wasn't Amblin. Who does, who does really, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers. Boom. It was Warner Brothers. Boom, boom. Got there. It is a great movie too. They came Um, out on the same day. Same day. It's crazy. Yeah. Also, I don't know the details of this, but I know something about like, whatever was not used as far as the, the score that Ennio Morricone wrote for this was used in its entirety uh, for hateful eight. Like I know Ennio Morricone did the score for hateful eight, but it is actually in fact the thing score that he wrote and like wasn't used in this movie or something like that. So Mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Steve mentioned that earlier. That was the Razzie nomination that Mm. he got for this and then an Oscar for the other one, which is fucking insane. So technically the thing won an Oscar. I didn't know the Razzies (laughs) were that old. Yeah. They've been around for a while. I think Alien has Razzies, believe it or not, which is like, who the fuck ran the Razzies back? It doesn't matter. The Razzies are douchebags regardless. That's so mean spirited and stupid. Um, I have a couple more trivia facts that I think are interesting. Lay it on us. Uh, Keith David, we know him, we love him. He broke his hand in a car accident the day before filming began. So if you watch the movie, oftentimes his left hand is hidden, like he'll like angle his body so you don't see the left his left hand, or he's wearing gloves because he was uh, in a cast for the whole movie. Damn. Uh, which How do you hold a flamethrower? A cast. It's a cast. Um, is it his left hand, you said? I think it's his left hand. That's yeah. interesting because in the duel between him and McCready when he's in the storeroom with the dynamite, he has to turn off the flamethrower. And it is awkward because he's holding it like he normally would. He takes his right hand and reaches around to the front and unscrews it and then blows the flame out. That and that makes perfect sense now. Yeah. And it's cool. Like if you watch the, the autopsy scene where they're all kind of walking around and Blair's explaining, Childs is like, his body is angled away from camera. So his whole entire left arm is like 
obscured. So yeah. you just can't, you just straight can't see it. It is also kind of like, just like that kind of stance hiding is fitting for his character. Like mm-hmm. he, he's kind of like the one that's always like guarded and ready to act. And like that, that, that honestly, like physically, I would have never thought anything like that. I would just thought that was direction that like you like almost are always have kind of your fist cock behind you ready to hit, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, this, that's the thing. It's one of my favorite movies. The and thing. Thank you all for uh, taking part in our June Patreon poll. You guys make this happen. We can do so much more stuff like this uh, with your support. We are so grateful for that. We hope you love it. And that's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. Oh! And this is Streaming Things. I'm the thing now. <laughs> Happy streaming. <laughs> I'm the thing now. Candyman. Candyman. Candyman.